This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Fred Vasseur's mission as Ferrari team principal is clear. To make the most decorated team in Formula One history, world champions once again. When you join Ferrari, it's a bit different. Everybody is much more emotional. The press is much more emotional. The team members are more emotional. And I think to have the possibility to join Ferrari as a team principal, it's somehow not the pinnacle, but somehow uh, the biggest challenge, let's say. The pinnacle is if you win with Ferrari, but it's a bit different. The Tifosi, Ferrari's famous fan base, have been waiting since 2008 for the Scuderia to add to their record 31 world titles. And Vasseur is fully aware of the expectation on his shoulders. The pressure of the, of the story and the past, you can feel it each time that you are doing something in Maranello. Huh? That you go to the restaurant, everybody is jumping on you, that it's the main topic. And that I think we have enough pressure and uh, to avoid to think too much about this. Welcome everyone, I'm Tom Clarkson and this is F1 Beyond the Grid. Fred Vasseur was a team boss in GP2 the last time Ferrari were world champions. And now he's taking on arguably the most pressurised job in the paddock. Ferrari are synonymous with Formula One. They've competed in every season since the start of the World Championship in 1950, and both the Tifosi and the Italian media hold them to the highest standards. But Fred's got the experience to match. He won titles in GP2 with Nico Rosberg and Lewis Hamilton. He also took Alfa Romeo from last in the constructor standings to P6 during a six-year stint as their team boss. Can he do what his three immediate Ferrari predecessors couldn't and bring the World Championship back to Italy? Well, the Frenchman isn't phased by taking on the biggest challenge of his career so far. He's on great form in our chat, even cracking a few jokes, and he seems confident of turning Ferrari's fortunes around despite a frustrating 2023 so far. Ahead of their hugely iconic home race at Monza, Fred describes how the culture, the passion and the emotion at Ferrari compares to his previous teams. He also talks about the performances of Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz and how founder Enzo Ferrari inspires him today. Plus, Fred tells me where the team needs to improve, what his message is to Ferrari's fans and much, much more. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Fred, it's great to have you back on the show. How are things? So far, okay. <laughs> and how are you finding life in Italy? Tell us a little bit more about that. Uh, it's a little bit like a washing machine that uh, I joined uh, quite late. It was the beginning of the season, perhaps the first week of January. And then uh, we had to launch the car, to go to Bahrain, to do the first race. So far, we did 13 or 14 races in six months or seven months. Uh, it's quite intense, but it's a mega good challenge. 
sounds like your feet haven't touched the ground yet. Are you living in Maranello itself? Uh, not yet, but my family, my family will move uh, end of August for the school. And Fred, how are you finding just life at Ferrari? Are you now used to wearing the red shirt, that famous red shirt? It's not a matter to be used to wear the red shirt or another color. Is that um, from team to teams you have big differences. Uh, even if the result on track it's about uh, hundreds of seconds, the approach are very often completely different. Everybody told me that Ferrari is something different, and it's true. Can we talk <laughs> a bit more about that? I mean, the different cultures, you know, you've worked for a team based in England at Renault. You've obviously been in Switzerland with Alfa Romeo. Just how and where is Ferrari different? I would say that the main difference is the passion into the team and around the team, that everything is uh, a bit more or exaggerating. It means that uh, as everywhere and as in every single race team, uh, you have up and down. And I think at Ferrari, the up are very high and the down are very low. And my job is to calm down the exaggeration, to try to stay a bit more consistent and uh, in the approach and... Uh, I think it's probably the main, the biggest difference between the the teams that uh, I remember perfectly when I joined Einstone after the first race. Uh, but they, they, they don't care about the results. And so that, you know, because they are very pragmatic and very consistent in the approach, into the mood and so. And I think it's also the English culture. And uh, when you join Ferrari, it's a bit different. Everybody is much more emotional. The press is much more emotional. The team members are more emotional. And I think part of my game and part of my job is to try to be a, a bit more consistent. But one of Ferrari's strengths as well is its passion. Yeah, no, sure, sure, sure. That uh, we had, uh, from the beginning of the season, as, uh, as I said before, we had up and down, but... The reaction time when we are done, when the, we had issues, the, the capacity to react, the capacity to motivate everybody or to have a... I remember perfectly when we, we were supposed to bring the upgrade for Budapest and then we pushed to get it for UK. And uh, as a challenge, I told them that I would like to get it for Spielberg, I think. But honestly, it was a joke. <laughs> and they made it, but they worked like hell 24 7, blah, 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 blah. And, and this as a feeling is mega that the passion on this, that the fact that everybody can work night and day to deliver something is a, it's, it's a mega good feeling. Uh, now we have to stay a bit less emotional when we are speaking about results in one way or the other. But I think it's much easier also to calm down someone than to push someone. Can you talk us through the moment when you got the call from Ferrari? Who first made contact with you? Where were you? What were you doing? It was just after Abu Dhabi last year. It was a bit strange feeling because everybody spoke about it during Abu Dhabi uh, weekend, but it was not the case. That <laughs> and the week after that we had the first discussion, I was flying back from Abu Dhabi. I did a pit stop at home and then I was in, uh, in Switzerland. It was a strange story, but I was already in contact with uh, John Elkan. First, I was a customer of Ferrari for the engine with the Alfa Romeo team that we had. Uh, the title sponsor was Alfa Romeo, part of the group. It means that uh, we were already in contact and uh, we had the first discussion to know if I could be uh, interested with the position. How long did it take you to say yes? 
I didn't want to be too emotional because when you are doing this job and I am doing this job for 32 or 33 years, for sure to have the possibility to join Ferrari as a team principal, it's somehow, somehow not the pinnacle, but somehow uh, the biggest challenge, let's say. The pinnacle is if you win with Ferrari, that it's a bit different. And to have in front of me the biggest challenge of my job, it's a challenge. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, no, I took uh, 24 hours to think about it. Also, no, not for me, because for me, for sure, it's a kind of uh, mega project. When you play tennis, you want to do Wimbledon. When you, you, when you are doing my job to be at the team principal of Ferrari, for sure, it's what you want to do. Uh, but I took 24 hours because it was more for my family. And I know that I put a lot of pressure on my family so far and I, I knew that it will be another step and I wanted to discuss with them if they were keen to do it. I completely understand why you said yes but were you tempted at all to stay at Sauber because they've got an exciting future ahead you just overseen the, the, the sale to, to Audi and, and exciting times for them as well. So far I always did my uh, own company in the past, I built up my own company and uh, somehow at Sober, it was not my company at all, huh? but I had the feeling that we built up something. Uh, I joined in 2016 or 17, 17. We were quite close to the bankruptcy that just after this uh, situation, absolute P10 because there was, we had no more than 10 teams on the grid. That <laughs> <laughs> it's why we were P10, uh, something like 4% off. And when you want to create or to build up something, Sober was a very good challenge. I really enjoyed the five years that I spent in Switzerland. That, uh, let's say, is the, the opposite of Ferrari. It's difficult to create the link and so, but I, I think also that after five years, I had a, personally a very good relationship with a lot of people into the team, and I really enjoyed this. But I had also the feeling in the other end that finishing P6, I don't want to say that we can't do more or better, but I had the feeling that we deliver what we had to deliver. It was a new chapter for Sober with Audi joining and so, and I had the feeling that uh, we did the job and, and it was the perfect timing for me to jump on something else. Uh, talking of timing, you say that, you know, you've been running race teams for more than 30 years. Has it arrived, <laughs> you don't look a day over 21, Fred, <laughs> but has it arrived at the right time in your career? Had this opportunity presented itself in 2017, do you think you would have been ready for it? Or is now the right time? Well, no, I think I'm like the red wine that I'm getting better. <laughs> <laughs> With the seasons. <laughs> no, no, but I think it was overall, it was a very good experience. Uh, Sauber and uh, also a good experience for me because it was the first step of the collaboration with Ferrari. I mean that when I joined Ferrari, it was not a complete non uh, company. But again, that um, the fact that we build up something it's difficult to compare with the Ferrari situation because it's another environment, other country, other culture, uh, other partner, and so on. But I think it was. As a group of people, not, not personally, but as a group of people, it was a, a mega good challenge. I was more than happy with what we deliver at the end. 
What attributes do you think you need as a team principal? You know, for a driver, it's clear they've got to be fast. As a technical director, you've got to be on top of the technical side. To be good at what you do, what attributes It's very do difficult you need? to say because that if you have a look on the 10 team principal, they are all coming from completely different horizons. You have uh, guys coming from finance, you have guys coming from uh, the driver side, you have guys coming from engineering, you have... How would you describe you? I'm more coming from engineering and racing, but I'm not sure that you can say, okay, this is the perfect profile to be the team principal. And so that uh, what is true is that, uh, and I know pretty well all my uh, colleagues, that is, they are all in love with racing, with this job and uh, the, the global picture of the Formula One, that, let's say that. Uh, it's quite difficult to imagine what could be the, the perfect profile of the team principal. It's probably much easier for the drivers or for the technical director. There's more from Fred coming right up after this message. With school and work picking back up for many as the summer months draw to a close, you might be looking for wholesome, convenient meals that you can easily turn to on busy days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up fast with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. So you can save time, eat well and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle. And better yet, the meals are ready in just two minutes, meaning no grocery store trips, no prep and no mess. Just heat and enjoy. Choose from more than 34 weekly options, and if you want a tasty protein hit, definitely give their shredded chicken bowl a try. It's delicious and full of flavour, and the chicken was cooked perfectly. Or, for an easy wellness boost, try their refreshing beverage options like cold-pressed juices, shakes and smoothies. And if you're in the mood for something a little fancier, then level up with Factors Gourmet Plus options, prepared to perfection by chefs and ready to eat in record time. Treat yourself to upscale meals with premium ingredients like broccolini, leeks, truffle butter and asparagus. Whatever your goals are, Factor has meal options to help you eat well without the hassle. Head to factormeals.com btg50 and use the code btg50 to get 50% off. That's code btg50 at factormeals.com btg50 to get 50% off. Now, you're French. You're immediate. Yeah, nobody's pre- perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Your immediate predecessors in the job have all been Italian. I'm thinking Mattia Benotto, Maurizio Rivabene, Marco Mattiacci, Stefano Domenicali. Is it a help or a hindrance that you're not Italian running the Italian national team? I'm not asking myself the question, honestly, that for me it's not a matter of nationality. You have, for sure, you have pro and cons, and uh, it's it's difficult to know. It and the future will tell us if it's an advantage or not. But um, I don't consider this as an advantage or disadvantage. Well, the last Frenchman who ran Ferrari, Jean Todd, had huge success. Have you spoken to him? Sought any advice? Yeah, I spoke with Jean uh, in December, and. Uh, I think he was one of the first one to send me a, a WhatsApp. But I think it's quite difficult to compare Formula One of the 90s or beginning of 2000 and the Formula One of today. 
we are not with the same regulation for sure, but the financial approach, financial regulation, efficiency, and so that the, the approach that um, when I spoke with Jean, one of the topic was that, uh, you know, Fred, that uh, at this stage that we were doing sometimes four test days the same day with one car in Jerez, one car in Fiorano, one in Barcelona, one in Mugello, and so it's absolutely not the same Formula One anymore. Uh, but for sure that uh, Jean is um, on every single topic he was successful. Peugeot, Ferrari, FIA, and so that you, and that value can, if you can discuss with Jean. Can you speak Italian? I'm starting, but I'm a bit shy. <laughs> <laughs> How often do you have lessons? At the beginning, I was, it was each day. And then I had a big issue with my back and I was not sleeping, able to sleep anymore the night. And I stopped that and I'm starting now. I'm starting back now. I remember seeing you hobbling around earlier in the season. But can you remember your first day at work in Maranello? The emotions you felt... Was it intimidating to walk through those doors for the first time? It was not the first time, and I think it's, it's a big difference. I went a couple of times in the past to Maranello. I knew the office of uh, Mattia. Uh, we had a couple of meetings. I knew Adriana. I knew Laurent. That I don't want to say that I was used to be there at all, huh, because that it's a different thing to come as a customer or partner or or to come as the team principal, but somehow it was not uh, not new at all. And by the way, it was much less emotional and so that. Do you feel the weight of history on your shoulders running this historic racing team? I'm trying to avoid that. I think we have enough pressure and I don't need uh, someone else to put pressure on myself that uh, I'm quite exigent with myself and uh, what I want to do, what I want to achieve and I'm putting enough pressure on me that I don't need to have someone else or something else and uh, and the, I think the pressure of the of the story and the past, you can feel it each time that you are doing something in Maranello and huh? that uh, all the emotion around, all the passion around, all the, the uh, you go to the restaurant, everybody's jumping on you, that you, you can feel that it's the, the, the main topic. and that. Uh, but I think we have enough pressure and uh, the, to avoid to think too much about this. But Fred, you are, you're a racing fan. And I think if you're a racing fan at some level, you're also a Ferrari fan. Would you agree? No, but this is, this is if you go to Silverstone, you have fans from McLaren and uh, Mercedes and Ferrari. If you go to France, you have uh, Alpine and Ferrari. If you go to Germany, you will have uh, Mercedes and Ferrari. If you go to Miami, you have McLaren and Ferrari. Everywhere in the world, you have 50% of the, the public with a Ferrari fan. That, it's magic. But again, that even if I would be more than pleased to win also for them, because they are able to support us and to follow us uh, after a couple of years without a championship. That it means that they are really passionate and I would be more than pleased to bring them something. But it's not, a, you have to avoid to consider that this could be an extra pressure, you know what I mean? Enzo Ferrari, if he were alive today and you could ask him a question, what would that be? Are you proud of what is Ferrari today? What do you think he'd say? I don't know. It's very difficult to... 
for sure as a racer, probably that you would like to get better results and focus on results and performance and to say, guys, you have to win, blah, blah, blah. Okay. But as a company guy, I think that he would be very proud of the image of Ferrari over the world. And do you have a favorite Ferrari road car from history, a favorite Ferrari race car? Not at all, but I read somewhere a quote from Enzo Ferrari saying that the best Ferrari is the next one. And this, I think it's a very good message in terms of innovation, quality, that the best is to come. That uh, And, you know, my approach with the rest team is always to tell them that, guys, we have to do a better job tomorrow than today. I'm not, I don't want to speak about a long term. Let's just try to do better tomorrow than today. And I think this sentence is somehow uh, the same spirit. Let's talk a little bit more then about the performance of Ferrari on track. You've been in the job six months now. What is your assessment of where Ferrari's at? We are in the, in the middle of the group uh, that you have uh, Max Verstappen who is flying somewhere and then you have a group of uh, eight or nine cars behind him that then we are in, the, in this pack that sometimes we are able to be first of the pack, sometimes not. It is like it is that uh, we were expecting uh, probably better, but it's the reality of the, of the situation and we have to deal with, we have to try to improve massively on, the, on every single topic. The performance or non-performance is never coming from one single pillar. That uh, it means that uh, we have to improve everywhere and the most important is to have the mentality for the 1,600 people of the company to do a better job tomorrow than today, to try to get the best and not to be focused on what the others of the company are doing. This is crucial for the performance. You say you need to improve everywhere, and I'm sure that is the message that every team principal gives. In yeah, the yeah no, no, but doesn't matter if you, no, not doesn't matter, but doesn't matter, yes, if you win or not, it has to be the mentality. If you are winning and you don't have this mentality, someone will overtake you. But Fred, what do you feel the team does well? Let's start with the positives. What is the team doing well? Reaction, motivation, that uh, the capacity to fix the issue, and uh, and I would say the mood. That uh, even when we had tough time, I think the mood into the team was positive. And this for me is crucial because without this, that you can forget to be able to win. That uh, uh, basics are there, but now we have a huge challenge in front of us. You say you need to improve everywhere. Is there one particular aspect that you can elaborate on a bit more? No, because I think it would be a mistake first to, to finger point someone or something or a department. And it's pure performance. I think we are not far away of uh, the, the to be the second team, but we didn't deliver. It means that we missed too many points on track from the beginning of the season. It's one of the areas. We know also that the package is probably not the best one today, that uh, we are pushing to do a better job for the future. And um, no, I don't want to, to say that it's coming. And it's not true and that, uh, you know, that as soon as you will be able to improve on uh, one department, area or topic, naturally you will push somewhere else and you will try to do a better job somewhere. And then it's a kind of uh, unstable situation that you have to improve step by step. And do you have everything you need to win in terms of 
infrastructure. No, the, the same. That if if I had what I want, it would be a mistake because you always want to get more. You have to put yourself in the kind of unstable uh, situation, but unstable on the front. That it means that uh, forward. It means that you always have to move forward. It's if you can't stay on the same position. And the same for the investment, the same for the development of the technology, the same for the recruitment, the same for formation, education, and so. That uh, if you stay where you are, you are dead. That uh, you can't be pleased with what you have. What about personnel? Are you shopping? To not shop is to go backwards. That because that uh, this is the life of uh, every single company in the world. That you are, you have a turnover. That it means that. Uh, we are losing perhaps uh, 90 people a year because that they want to stop Formula One, because they are going to pension, because that they want to go to another team for family reasons and so. It means that to stay at the same level, you need to recruit 90 people a year. And we are more in the phase today that to recruit a little bit more. It means that it's a huge challenge for the HR, sorry, that uh, thanks to them. <laughs> this is probably the, the biggest challenge because we need to recruit also uh, as soon as possible. And are you recruiting from within Formula One or oh, can you a, look outside of Formula No, it's always a balance that uh, the target is also to to increase the mix of culture into the team. Also because it's the fastest way to, to improve on some area, to have a kind of a quick know-how, taking guys from other teams, that, uh, and we are in this, into this process. But we have also linked with uh, Italian university, high school, and so to take graduates, because that we need also in the other end. You need to have uh, experience coming from other teams and uh, the know-how. But you need also to have fresh blood into the system and uh, to take uh, guys from the, the high school in Europe. Talking of fresh blood, you know, what other industries in the world are like Formula One, Fred? Could someone from the aerospace industry walk into a job in Formula One and, and be able to be, well, get the job done and, and be useful? 200% sure. One of the biggest mistakes would be to imagine that Formula One is over the top in every single area that you have the, the uh, mechanical industry or every single industry is sometimes more advanced than us on their own perimeter. It means that we, we have to recruit people with different profiles, different cultures, dif coming from different countries. And it's where that uh, we have also to improve. In cybersecurity and Formula One, every millisecond counts. Only the most advanced cars and dedicated teamwork win races on the track, and only the most advanced security technology and elite specialists have the power to prevent, defend, and stop cyber attacks. Technology makes all the difference in who has a clear advantage, where Bitdefender is renowned for driving leading edge innovation in cybersecurity. Bitdefender helps safeguard the data of Ferrari. They supercharge the cybersecurity team's ability to swiftly identify and respond to any threat that arises. Bitdefender has earned the trust of Ferrari for its commitment to innovation and for being at the forefront of cybersecurity to manage continuous and evolving challenges. Join the millions of consumers and businesses that trust Bitdefender to protect their digital worlds. Visit bitdefender.com to learn more about how Bitdefender supports Ferrari to stay ahead of cyber threats and how you can make your digital life safer. Can I 
Jackson step and take it away. He can't. He can't take it away. And Charles Leclerc has three poles in a row around Baku City Circuit. Extraordinary stuff. Come on. Yes. Ah. Feels good. It's good to be back on top. And Carlos Sainz wins the British Grand Prix. He has taken his first ever win. He becomes the 111th ever driver to win in F1. We did it. Yes, we did it. Yes, vamos. Fred, can we talk drivers now? Let's start with Charles Leclerc, driver you know so well from both the junior formulas and Alfa Romeo, of course. How's he evolved both as a driver and as a person since you last worked with him in 2018? 2018 was a good season for, for us and for Charles, but also a challenging one because that he was going from the junior series. The step to the F1, it's not an easy one. I don't want to speak about driving or technical approach, but the fact that you are changing your environment. And uh, I think Charles did it pretty well this season, but the next step moving to Ferrari was the biggest challenge. And I found someone a bit more mature, a bit more confident with himself, with probably more certitude about what he's expecting from the team and so. But also with the same characteristic to be able to be very honest with, with him and the team is roughly the same, but much more mature. Do you sense any frustration coming into him now? Frustration is there, but again, I think it's... a. Uh, a very positive mood. I can't imagine Charles after five years in F1 not frustrated with the current results. It has to be part of the motivation. You can't be happy with this when the challenge was to to win. That uh, you know, It's not that you have to blame someone and so, but the frustration has to be also the mo- part of the motivation. What is his greatest quality? don't want to speak about speed or... Um, but the fact to be always very honest with himself, with the team, for me it's a, a huge asset when you want to develop something. Would you like to see him be more decisive over the, over the radio, for example, when he's discussing strategy with his, his race engineer? You have to take care with the radio that I think uh, it would be a good joke to listen to deeply the radio of the other sometimes, but... Part of the, the, the relationship is also into the discussion and sometimes that uh, makes sense to discuss. It's not that one has to take the lead and uh, to have an open discussion. It's for me, it's okay and I'm pleased with this. The fact that the driver can be a contributor of the choice is part of the game and I'm fully okay. We can't blame Charles for this. Would you like to build the future of Ferrari around Charles? I had the question at the beginning of the season and it was probably a misinterpretation of my uh, answer. I think that we have two good drivers today, Carlos and Charles. They are doing good job that we always have to improve and that uh, as every single team member that we have to do a better job uh, and to continue to develop our skills and to improve. But both are doing a good job. And uh, I know also that we have to develop the team around the drivers and I put the S because uh, it's important. But they are keen to the development of the team. I'm keen to work with them and to continue to develop the team with them. When you look elsewhere in the pit lane, 
It is Max Verstappen having the success at Red Bull. It was Lewis Hamilton at Mercedes prior to that. Sebastian Vettel at Red Bull. It was Michael Schumacher at Ferrari. It always seems to be one guy. No, you had Prost and Senna at McLaren. <laughs> Good answer, yeah. You can always find an example and a counterexample, but uh, drivers, they are key pillars of the performance. Not just about speed on track, but about the development of the team, the feedback they can give, the motivation that they can bring, and so they are keen to the project. And uh, I think we have uh, two good drivers, and it's, they are very important for me. And do you think the driver will become even more integral to performance in 2026 when the downforce is reduced? I'm, I'm not sure that the driver is more or less important due to the regulation. This is not true. What, what you could say, it's not, it's not due to the level of downforce, is that if you have a kind of convergence of performance, what we have today compared to five years ago, that if you compare five years ago, very often you had the two Mercedes, the two Red Bull, the two Ferrari, the two... And if the driver was doing a mistake, he was losing one position, perhaps two. Today you have a group of uh, at least nine, but sometimes uh, 10 or 12 cars, if you include the Alpine or sometimes the Alfa Romeo and so, who are able to fight for the first row. In this situation, the driver can do the difference and can do a huge difference. Doing a mistake is P12, doing a good job is P2. They are crucial into the performance, but it's not just about performance on track. For me, it's, this is the visible part of the iceberg, but the job that they are doing behind the stage, pushing the team, bringing an extra motivation from every single employee or the, with the technical feedback, or the, this is huge and probably bigger than the pure performance on track. Let's talk about Carlos Sainz then. Is he very good at the technical side of it? He, when you talk to him, he seems to relish the technical side. Two different things is the first one, the capacity they have to analyze what they are doing. The second one is the, the capacity they have to express it. And then there is the capacity to work. <laughs> but Carlos is someone very, very mature for his age, able to develop a, a good connection with the team, to find the right tune because uh, on this side of the business, I think he's a perfect compromise. What has Carlos got to do to retain his seat at Ferrari beyond next year? We didn't start to discuss that, but uh, I was quite clear until today that uh, I think the first priority of the team is to develop the package that we have, to reinforce the structure, for me to assess what is going well and what is what where we can improve. And the discussion with the drivers is not the first topic. We have still in front of us something like 18 months of contract. It means that it's massive and that uh, you have some drivers on the grid that don't have five months in front of them and you are not asking the question that uh, we are in this kind of uh, situation very comfortable that uh, for me and for us, because they know that they have a contract the next 18 months and we'll have time in the next uh, couple of weeks or months to discuss. We are, I told them that we will uh, fix it before the end of the year and I will do it. Never is an anthem sung with such gusto and passion 
as the Italian national anthem when Ferrari win at Monza. And still the crowd pour onto the track to be part of these celebrations that they've waited so long for. Charles Leclerc lifts the trophy high above his head. The crowd continue to swarm in. So we go to Monza next. It's Ferrari's home race. The grandstands are going to be red. The Tifosi is going to be shouting. How do you feel going into that race? I think that it's difficult to imagine that it means that uh, I will discover it uh, when I will be in Monza first. Now, my job is to try to get the best result in Monza. And for this, I need to calm down everybody. I don't need to go on stage and uh, to do a karaoke. And that uh, <laughs> It means that uh, we have to consider Monza as a team as much as possible as a normal race. I know that it's not possible. I know that it's not true. I know that everybody will be much more emotional. But uh, if we want to achieve that, uh, the best result, the most important is to stay calm. So no special engines like back in the day. <laughs> you know perfectly that with the current regulation, if you do a specific engine, it means that the week after you will have to take a penalty. And fight. we need to consider this race as part of a championship. Ferrari is participating to the championship and as much as possible, I would like to consider Monza as a race of the championship. What is your message to the Tifosi? I don't want to ask them to be passionate because it's not possible. <laughs> but I would let them know that everybody is pushing like hell to come back. Everybody into the team. Every single employee is pushing like hell. That... Uh, I thank them for their support because it's always, I remember perfectly when we did the launch of the car in um, Fiorano, the fact that for the launch, the grandstand was full, the, the people were very enthusiastic. And so this is an extra motivation. And I think this is a very nice feeling for the team members. But now we have to try to come back on what we are doing and uh, uh, to be focused on, on, on this. So that's Monza. Let's look a little bit further ahead. What are the goals for the remainder of 2023? Charles said at Spa, come on, we can finish second in the Constructors' Championship. No, we can finish second. I think that uh, if you want to just have a look on the current championship, that we are a bit far away of Mercedes, but we lost so many points from the beginning of the season that it's... It's, I think, where we have also to be focused, that uh, the, the business is based on, on two parameters. The first one is to have uh, the best car, and the second one is to do the, the best usage of the car. So far, we don't have the best car, probably, and uh, we are not doing the best usage. It means that we have a lot of room for improvement. To improve massively the packages that we will have to wait for at least next year, for the future, but uh, to do the best usage of this that we can uh, try to improve from tomorrow onwards. That This is the very important point that uh, we have to use the last uh, six months of the season to improve on this one. Fred, it's clear that you inherited the situation. You arrived at Ferrari too late to be able to influence this car. When can we judge Fred Vasseur's Ferrari? How many? Is it 24? Is it 25? No, no, you can judge Frederic Vasseur today because I'm responsible. 
I don't want to blame someone or something that uh, I'm in charge, I'm responsible and I have to take the responsibility of this. That it's not a matter to find excuse or something like this. But go back to, to shopping for personnel. Some of them you're having to wait 18 yeah, but this months is, This for. is an on-end situation that for sure we are recruiting. Some of the guys that we are signing will join in uh, 18 months. They will work on the car of uh, 26 or 25 in the best case scenario. And uh, But this is a non-end project and situation. And in six months times, I will recruit people working on the car of 27. And you can't say in permanence, ah, let's wait next year or let's... No, 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 that... Uh, we have tons of aspects where we can do a good job or a better job and uh, we have to be focused and uh, again that uh, the guy who is in charge is responsible. Well, how long will the head honchos at Ferrari, and I'm talking John Elkin in particular, how long will he give you? Has he given you deadlines to, you know, Alpine talk about a hundred race plan? Have you no, got that in your I've mind? I've been this book about a three years plan in 2016. I think it's where probably the most important is to be focused on what you are doing yourself, just to try to improve, not to fix a target to be a P2 next year. If I can be P1, I will go for P1. And if we are P3, if we are improving, I will be quite happy. You know that it's more a mentality to try to do a better job and to always improve. Then we will get the result that we deserve. That uh, Now, if you have a question about the John's position, you have to ask to John, not to me. <laughs> <laughs> but you will be happy if the team is showing constant improvement. Is that the message? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Can you win a race this year? Uh, for sure. That when uh, you are doing pole position in Baku or you are fighting sometimes for pole position, 100s or 200s behind Verstappen and so, you can always win a race. That uh, We did podiums. That uh, I would say that today Max is faster than us, but Max is faster than everybody else. And... Uh, we need to do a step to match with him, but you never know. And uh, and you need to keep the approach and the motivation at least to do the best. They ring the bells in Maranello if you win a race. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Fred, finally, you've taken on one of the biggest challenges in motorsport. We all know that. How proud will you be if you bring Ferrari back to the front? Will it be the greatest achievement of your career? For sure, because that um, I think that my position is probably the, the most exposed or I don't know the, the, the right word and the right description. And it's probably the biggest challenge. But I think also that if you win, it's the biggest success from far. Good luck. Do you believe in luck? No. Well, somehow it could help. <laughs> Fred... To win a world title with Ferrari would be a fantastic achievement, especially in the current climate, where the standard of the teams is higher than ever. May Lady Luck ride with you and the Scuderia. I take so much from this chat. First, what a charismatic leader Fred is. He's funny, he's inspiring, and he knows motorsport inside out. He respects history, even doffing his cap to Enzo Ferrari, but he knows that Ferrari cannot live in the past if they want to win again. The best Ferrari has to be the next one. 
Fred also knows how to get the best out of his drivers. He learnt that skill in the junior formulas and continues to apply that learning with Charles and Carlos. I love what he says about Charles needing to use his current frustrations as a source of motivation. Fred, thanks for your time and enjoy Monza this weekend. I'm sure it'll be unlike anything you've ever experienced in your life. Now, please send in your thoughts and stories about Fred. How long do you think it'll take him to get Ferrari back to the front? What do you think is his greatest strength as a leader? Let me know through all the usual means and I'll read out some of your comments at the end of next week's show. I'm at Tom Clarkson F1 on Twitter or you can use the hashtag F1 Beyond the Grid. Which of course brings me on to what you sent in about Heinz Harold Frentzen after last week's show. And I must confess, I was a little overwhelmed by the response that we've had to that episode. You really loved hearing from Heinz Harold, didn't you? Let's start with this from Alejandro Schneider. The podcast was amazing. So much technical detail, honest comments, Heinz potential. I am amazed. Here's one of the greats. The Prost Arrows technical feedback is unique. Well, I love the Kimi reference there, Alejandro. And thank you for getting in touch. I'm glad you enjoyed the show. And what about this from Craig Park? It's a great story. After the 2000 Australian Grand Prix, I was flying to Europe. Heinz Harold Frentzen sat behind me in first class. Very nice. The hostess thought I was Heinz Harold and asked me to autograph the first class menu. I pointed behind me and she got him to sign instead. And after we disembarked, Heinz Harold said to me, You should have signed it. It was a fun moment. Well, I can just imagine the wry smile on Heinz Harold's face while saying that to you, Craig. Thank you for the note. Thanks for the story. Now, what about this from Nicholas Harbour? This episode with Heinz Harold Frentzen was the one I've wanted since you started the podcast. One of my favourite drivers, very humble, and he should have been world champion. It's a pity that Ron Dennis was so stiff because I love Heinz's dry sense of humour. It was a great episode. Thank you. Well, thank you, Nicholas, for your note. I love reading messages like that. We've had literally hundreds of messages about the show, and we'll sign off with this from John McCann. As a mechanical engineer, I found the discussion on the Arrow's steering arm very interesting, as well as the simplicity of the solution. You would have made an excellent mechanical engineer, Heinz. I think someone's already said that you remind them of Nicky Lauda during the podcast. Well, Heinz is fully engaged on social media now, and I think he's even replied to your message, John, but thank you for getting in touch with the show. Heinz and Nikki were very similar in this regard, I think. Well, we'll leave it there for messages, but thank you to everyone who wrote in. We love reading your comments. And that's pretty much it for this week. Thank you for listening to Fred. And don't forget to send in your thoughts and stories about him ahead of next week's show. And you can listen to F1 Nation's review of the Dutch Grand Prix with myself, Julianne Serasoli and Christian Maynat right now. Just search F1 Nation in your podcast app. And I'll speak to you again next week when I'll be joined by another great guest from the world of Formula One. Beyond the Grid is produced by Formula One and Audio Boom Studios. Until next time, keep it flat out.